you guys can be seated. I have my water with me this morning because I was screaming down there. And so if I lose my breath or if I lose my voice, you guys know why I'm so hyped. Isn't that so awesome? Vacation, Bible school. Aren't our kids so cute? My goodness. Yes. And I just want you guys to know how dearly we love your children. Like, like I hope this shows that I'm so excited about 16 kids that said yes to Jesus. Like, that's a big deal. Yes. 16 kids coming out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light before they even go to the sixth grade. Come on, somebody. Like, that's something to celebrate this morning. So I'm just so excited. So excited to get to share with you guys this morning. Also want to shout out our youth heading to Surge Summer Conference. Yes. If you're here at this church, be sure that you're praying for our youth. I know that God is going to do something so incredible, so powerful over the next three days. And so we just want to pray over their safety, pray for for just the anointing to fall and for them to experience something um, so awesome over the next three days. And so just keep them in your prayers as they are traveling. Well, I'm excited to kick off this relationship series, Crush. Everybody say Crush. Yes, the relationship series is always one of my favorite. Um, And I I know the same goes for a lot of people. You know, um, I hear countless stories about how people's lives are transformed by this series. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about marriage and dating and and everything in between. And so I just want you to say, get your expectations up. Can we have high expectations? Yeah. Yeah. High expectations about what God is going to do over the next few weeks in your family. And then I do want to just reiterate, mark your calendars for our Stronger Marriage Conference. Aren't you guys so excited? Yes, make it a point to get there. I think it's just going to be such an incredible time, such an important moment for married couples to come together, even if it's for just two days, and really go deeper in their relationships. And we don't want to just invite married couples, but engaged couples, those thinking about pursuing that relationship, go to our website and get registered. Can we do that? Yes, awesome. Well, I'm going to just go ahead and get us started by opening us up in prayer this morning. Father God, we thank you. God, I thank you for allowing us to be here together again. God, I ask that right now your presence is here in this place. God, I ask that you use me as a vessel to speak what you want to speak to those that are here, God. I ask that nobody leaves this place the same, God. God, that there is a special word that you want to deposit on the inside of each and every one of their hearts. We thank you in advance for all that you are going to do in this moment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, when I knew I was kicking off this series, I actually did definitely laugh because I I by no means claim to be a relationship expert. And in fact, some of you may be thinking that as well, because if you were here last month at the beginning of June, I shared that I've only been married for a month and a half to my amazing husband, Gilbert Garza. Yes. (laughs) Gilbert. Yes. But I I say that because I'm sure you're like, what is this girl going to tell us about marriage? I know we got some people, you know, Nate and Maxine have been married for years and they're amazing. We have so many people here that have lapped us in the number of years that they have been married. And so I was just wanting to tell you guys to stick with me because I feel like God really has something special that he wants me to share with you this morning. And so as I began to prepare, the first thing that I knew I needed to do was I needed to do some research. 
because it's all about the facts and the numbers. I wanted to see what we as a church, what we, you know, here in the U.S. are facing as a whole. And so I wanted to share some of those facts with you this morning. The first is that 50% of adults, so everybody 18 and up, have been married or are married at this time. And 88% of those people who got married, got married because of, does anybody know? <laughs> Y'all are so <laughs> I'm cracking up. Not pregnancy, no. Love. Love. <laughs> Oh, this is fantastic. (laughs) My goodness. Yes. Come on, be real. Let's be real this morning. (laughs) But 88% of people said that they got married because of love. I was curious about the 12%, but I was like, we're not even going (laughs) to ask the 12% what they were thinking or why they got married if they did not love each other. But what really floored me is as I was doing this research, out of the 50% that got married or are married, the average marriage only makes it to year number eight. And, and when people who were getting divorced or got in divorce cited why they got divorced, they said 73% said that they got divorced because of a lack of commitment. Other reasons, and you know, I just like to list these out, is excessive arguing, infidelity, marrying too young. See, what really got me about these statistics is that 88% of people got married because they loved each other or they felt like they loved each other, but they didn't stick it out because they didn't realize the commitment that love really requires. But, but who could really blame them? Because the world tells us about relationships and, and what the reality is of relationships is vastly different. Am I right? Like, how many of you guys grew up on Disney movies? Like, Disney ruined me. It ruined me. I'm looking at Cinderella and Aladdin and Sleeping Beauty. In all those movies, we see these beautiful moments where they, they meet each other and they fall in love, and it's really fast. Like, these girls need to at least go on a couple more dates before they <laughs> just say yes to these men, but, but it is what it is. So, and so they're falling in love, and then the movie ends, and they're riding off into the sunset, and they're looking lovingly into each other's eyes, and they're just so in love. And this happily ever after love leaves us believing that the most important part of a relationship is finding the right man or the woman and not nurturing the gift that God has given us after we got them. Because what these movies don't show is that after Cinderella and the prince got back to the castle, they had to figure out who was going to take out the trash. And they had to talk about who was going to manage the finances. My goodness. And then they don't show Cinderella being triggered every time the prince asks her to clean up because she never dealt with the neglect or the abuse from her stepmother and stepsisters. They don't talk about that. I'm going to ruin Disney for you this morning. Because what I realize is that we have to talk about that. We have to talk about what's happening in our hearts because these statistics prove that something is wrong. And so this morning, I want to title this message, Check Your Heart. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, check your heart. Women say it to the men. Men don't say it to the women because that might be an issue. (laughs) I'm not trying to cause fights this morning. But before we can have the right relationship, 
we must first focus on becoming the right person. And I want to go to John chapter 4, verses 1 through 29. And I'm not going to read all of that to you here. I know some of you are like, my goodness, she's going to read the whole Bible to us this morning. But, but really, I just want to give it to you as a reference point. I'm going to read a couple of verses from it. But, but I want to just tell you the story of the woman at the well. And, and I love this story because, because it, it's really just a story of redemption and restoration. But, but I want to go back to the beginning of the story. It's the beginning of chapter 4, where, where we begin with our hero, Jesus. And, and Jesus has realized, and his disciples realize, they're on a mission, and they need to go from Judea to Galilee. So I'm going to tell you some key things about this. The first is that it's super important for us to realize that there are at least three options for the path that they could take from Judea to Galilee. They had three different travel routes, but Jesus chose to go to Samaria. And that's an interesting choice. Because if you, if theolo- like the theologians say that, that there was something about Samaritans and Jews, the, the social and the political division between the two spanned way past Jesus' time, all the way back to the Old Testament. So for Jesus to say he wanted to go to Samaria was a big deal. So when he arrives in Samaria, he decides to rest at the well. And at the same time, a woman, a Samaritan woman, is coming to the well to draw water. And we know this woman because she has kind of a reputation, right? We all know the woman at the well. She's known for being, I don't know what word we want to use, uh, maybe loose, promiscuous, promiscuous. Um, She's known for being loose. She's been married five times, and the man she's living with now is not her husband. I think it's also important to note when this woman is going to the well and who she's going with, because she's not going with anybody, and she's going in the middle of the day. You see, because of her reputation, the woman wasn't allowed to travel with the other women. So all the other women went to the well early in the morning and late in the evening when the sun was down. But because the woman didn't have that option, she had to go in the middle of the day when the sun was high in the sky. And she was carrying her jar there, filling it with water and carrying it back in the middle of the day. But when it comes to the Samaritan woman... And how she is perceived. I I personally feel like she got a bad rap. I I, want to go against the the grain a little bit and challenge what we've already always assumed. Because I was listening to a message by Lisa Harper the other day. And one of the things that she mentioned is that in this time, it is highly or was highly unlikely for a woman to be married more than once. Which means that having a divorce basically marked the woman and said, do not don't go near them. Like, you don't need to, to deal with them. And so it basically marked you as somebody who didn't need to be in a relationship. And it told the other men to steer clear. And a man could divorce you for any reason. A man at that time could divorce you if it didn't cook good. Maybe you like dogs and he liked cats. And so he's like, I'm bad. I'm gone. But what Lisa proposes is that maybe this woman struggled with infertility. So the divorce document from her first husband was saying, do not deal with this woman because she can't have any kids. But but there had to be something different about this woman because man number two, man number three, man number four still took the risk. It means that she must have been beautiful. It must have been mean that she actually had good character, that she probably had a good heart because there were people willing to take a risk to marry her. 
And every time she got married, I wonder if she thought this is the part, this is the one, this is the man that is going to love me even if I can't conceive. And every time they proved it wrong and they rejected her anyways. And so now we find this woman in a place where her luck has finally run out. So she's living with another man, man number six, probably to survive. And he is validating the fact that she is not even worth marrying. And so I thought about this daily trip and what it looked like for her. I thought about what was going through her head. I imagine that every time she picked up her jar and opened her front door and began her journey, she was reminded of the shame that she had as she walked through her city. I wonder if people whispered about her as she made her journey to the well. And I wonder if that made her think about all of the rejection that she had experienced. Rejections from husbands one through five. Rejection from the man that that won't even marry her. And as she walked alone in the heat of the day, I wonder if it reminded her of the hurt of being treated like an outcast by the other women. Maybe some of those women used to be her friends. And now they won't even look her way. And I wanted to study this text because I believe that this woman mirrors a lot of us. This woman was carrying so much pain and so much hurt from past relationships, from spouses, from friends, maybe her families, her siblings. And it seems like Jesus made a special journey because he knew that if he could help her deal with that shame, rejection, and hurt, it could set her free. And it reminded me of a story that Gilbert and I talk about often. We always talk about the moment where we had to uh, tell Pastor Jim that we were dating, (laughs) When I tell you it was the scariest moment, I'm not exaggerating, the scariest moment of our lives, I, I, I'm, there's no exaggeration for the, what we felt in those moments, right? Like, it was really scary. So, so we knew that we had to tell Pastor Jim because he's our spiritual covering, and so we wanted his blessing. We wanted, you know, to know that, that he approved of this relationship. He's our spiritual father. He's mentored us both together for at least three years, and, and we know we were a part of this house, and so we knew we had to talk to him. And so I remember preparing for this moment and even remember Gilbert and I saying that if he said no, we knew we were going to have to break up. So thank God he didn't say no because we didn't break up. (laughs) But I remember sitting in his office and I remember just telling him, hey, you know, we're we're dating. We want to get married, you know, but we, we want you to be a part of this process with us. And and when he did give us our blessing, when we were able to breathe a little bit, he left us with three things that I thought were super important. The first thing that he told us, he said, have a short engagement. <laughs> have a short engagement. Because that engagement period, if you're working towards purity, is that, that space where things get real hard, right? To just make it to the finish line. And so he's like, have a short engagement. <laughs> Don't tempt yourself. The second he said was read the book, How We Love. And so I want to encourage you guys, write that down, put that on your phone, How We Love by Millen and Kay Yurkovich. Um, And it's a book about love styles. And so it goes back to even how you were raised as a child and what that does and how it's impacted the way that you connect with and love other people. And so such a great book. We read that in that season. And so I just want to encourage everybody to go and get that book. And the other thing that he told us was to go to individual counseling. Go to counseling. And I love that piece of advice from Pastor Jim because what he was saying is that healthy relationships have more to do with what's happening inside of us than what is happening between us. The reason Pastor Jim didn't 
didn't tell, Pastor Jim didn't tell us to go to counseling because they didn't think we loved each other. He told us because he knew that Gilbert and I were walking around just like so many others with past relational hurt. And that's why it's so important to check our hearts first because we all know the saying, hurt people, hurt people. Yes, hurt people, hurt people. So before we dive into how to better communicate with your spouse and how to date the right way and even how to be single, we are going to have to look at ourselves and make sure we are becoming the right person for others. So we're going to look at three ways to check our hearts this morning. The first way is we have to engage with Jesus. Engage with Jesus. Remember I noted that Jesus had three choices on his path to Galilee. And yet he chose the path that would take him to this woman. In fact, the text says in verse 1 that he had to go through Samaria. He was on assignment to reach her. But when Jesus engaged with this woman, although he made that journey to her, she still had the choice to engage with him. And the same goes for all of us. We all have the choice. Jesus intentionally pursues us. He makes his way to where we are. But I wonder if you have ever left him sitting at that well waiting on you to even arrive. In John 4, 7 through 6, we see this conversation and how Jesus starts. He, he's, he's trying to start a conversation with this woman just to, just to get things going. And in verse 7, it says, when the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And I want to pause right there. Because a woman is approaching the well, and Jesus asked her for a drink of water. And when I thought about water, I realized and recognized that water is a source of life. An incredibly important resource. Water is what she traveled from her home to that well for every single day so that she could live. And here Jesus is asking her for her resource. And I love that Jesus asked her for her resource because I think it parallels what he asked from us today. But he isn't asking for our water. He's asking us for what is most important to us. He is asking for our time. He's asking for our time. You know, I just know, I imagine that if Jesus had a love language, it would probably be quality time. And I can totally relate with that because my love language is quality time. You know, there's just something so powerful about spending relationships, spending time with the ones that you love. It refreshes me. It refills me. You know, I often, we often do, you know, movie nights and game nights with the family just because I love that quality time. But as I get older, one of the things that I have realized is that my favorite place to spend quality time is, is with my parents. <laughs> because every time I go to my parents' house, and every time I spend time with them, and, and we talk and we chat and I fill up on, on just quality time with them, the cool thing about going to my parents is that I never, ever leave empty-handed. Come on, how many of you know that when you go to mom and dad's house, when you leave that house, you're going to leave with some stuff, right? You're going to leave with a full stomach. You're going to leave with four or five plates of food. You're going to leave with some clothes, maybe some toilet paper. Maybe you'll leave <laughs> with your mail. I always leave with something. Like, I don't go to mom and dad's to not leave with something, and that's the same when our, with our relationship with God. When we spend time with God, we will never, ever leave his presence empty-handed. We will never leave his presence empty-handed. Jesus knew that if he could just have a moment with this woman, that he could give her more than she could ever imagine. 
There is such an importance in spending time with God. In John 15, 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do, what does it say? Nothing. Nothing. You can do nothing, including finding and becoming the right person without God. The word of God is the best relationship manual. It teaches us to love our neighbors as ourselves. It teaches us the fruits of the spirit. Come on, love, joy, peace, patience. That's what I need. Kindness, gentleness, self-control. I need that too. It shows us the things we need to have great relationships. It gives us guidance on how to pick the right person. Men, if you're looking for the right woman, go to Proverbs 31. It is the blueprint for what a good woman looks like. In fact, I believe that the Bible is the best love story ever written. God chose to send his son, and then his son chose to die for us because he wanted to spend eternity with us. And so many of us are stuck searching for that fairy tale feeling of love over and over again, not recognizing that love is not a feeling, it's a choice. Jesus chose to love us when it physically hurt him to do it. And that should teach us that we can love others even when it's hard. We can't have a healthy relationship without a healthy relationship with God first. So number one is engage with Jesus. The next thing we have to do is we have to be patient with the process. Be patient with the process. Before the woman freed, was freed from her past, she had to walk through a season of healing. And I, I just imagine that that walk for her was that back and forth walk from her home to the well. And the fact that she didn't give up every single day, she was going back and forth from her home to the well. And at one point, going from her home to the well, she had an encounter with Jesus but she had to keep doing it. She had to take the time to get to the well. But I don't know about any of you guys. Patience, like I said, is not my strong suit. Like I really struggle with patience. And the same is it can be said for my six-year-old Chandler. For example, every time we go to a restaurant, you guys know what happens when you go to a restaurant. You go to a restaurant, you go up to the hostess and they seat you, right? Well, Chandler thinks that you go to a restaurant, you walk up to the host or the hostess and you tell them your order. And so he will go up to the host or the hostess and we're like, Chandler, don't do it. And he's like, I'm going to do it anyways. And so he's like, I would like a Sprite and a cheeseburger plain and some French fries because Chandler doesn't like the process. He doesn't like to go through the whole process of getting seated and, and reading your menu and then ordering your drink and then telling the waiter your order. Like he doesn't want to do any of that. He would like to rush the process. But what Chandler, amen, what Chandler doesn't realize is that if he would just wait his, the best cheeseburger of his life is on the other side of the server, not the hostess. And it's the same for us. How many times have we struggled to wait? How many times have we broken up with somebody and the next day we're out there looking for Mr. Right? Like, give it time. Thinking about thinking that you can change your spouse if you just keep sending them those inspirational marriage quotes, you know, the ones we see on Facebook. <laughs> Listen, this is the one. He's going to be better this time. <laughs> We got it. Telling God, I am tired of being the only one pure. I am marrying the next person I see, God. Mm -mm. Uh-oh. Not knowing that the amazing things that God has for us are just on the other side of his process. 
God would love to heal our past hurts before we engage in something new. Psalms 147.3 says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And I love this verse because it, it acknowledges that God knows. God knows that we have real internal emotional hurts. He promises in this scripture to heal us and to bind up our wounds. In another one, he says he is near to the brokenhearted. And I just imagine God embracing us in all of our brokenness and all of our flaws and just saying that he wants to be near to us. That's just how Jesus embraced this woman. The part we always hear is how Jesus reads her life. He tells her, he's like, I, I know. I know about the five men. I know about the man that you're living with now. But him knowing didn't bring her more shame. It actually brought her freedom. In fact, the woman literally leaves her burden and runs to tell the city. In verses 28 through 29, it says, then leaving her water jar, she left her source of life because she had more life in Jesus. The woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything about myself. I imagine that as she ran, she was glowing because she was free. She was free. She, she knew that the Messiah knew everything about her, and he loved her anyways. And I know what it's like to have to be patient with the process. You know, I've had my Sarah of shame and hurt, including being divorced at 22 years old. Can you imagine 22 years old, after two years of trying, after two years of extremely painful moments, I was forced to walk away, and I was devastated, and I was broken. And a lot of times I imagine our lives kind of like the game of Jenga. You guys know the game of Jenga. So, so I imagine that, that this wasn't the first time that I had been devastated and broken, and so, you know, as a teenager, my parents got divorced, and so that was a couple of Jenga blocks pulled from my life. And then in high school, I took a chance on a really unhealthy guy and, and ended up in a really unhealthy relationship for about a year. And so that was more Jenga pegs moved from my life. And then an ugly marriage followed by an ugly divorce removed that peg. You know that peg that makes the Jenga tower sway? And although I was still standing, I was moments away from crumbling. And in that moment, I knew that God was telling me to be still. He told me, do not date. He's like, don't let anybody else take another block away from your life. And I think because he couldn't trust me, I really feel, and I don't know if this is real, but I feel like he put like this covering over me, like a supernatural covering over me, because I'm like, God, ain't nobody even looking at me. Like, ain't nobody think I'm cute. I'm not going to do anything. I don't understand. Like, what is the deal? I was so mad at him because he actually made me deal with my issues. <laughs> he, he made me go to seven months of weekly counseling. And I talked about the things I didn't want to talk about. And I uncovered hurts from every piece of my life that contributed to where I was. It was hard work, but piece by piece, God began to put things back together. That season did not make me perfect, but it made me better. Listen, we cannot be free to have good relationships if we don't heal from past relationships first. And that's not just spousal and dating relationships. That's parental relationships. That's sibling relationships. That's friendships. We have to heal from that, and healing takes time. But God wants to work through it with you. 
And the cool thing is we don't have to go through this alone. I want you to know that everybody is walking through the process of healing in some way or another. I love that the woman ran back to the town and was like, look at me and look at all that Jesus did. You can find healing in sharing your story. That's why I want to encourage you to get in a small group. You need people that you can talk to. You need people that you can share your story with. And so it's so important that you are engaged in relationship. That's one of the things that I learned. Sharing your story, there's a verse that says, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We have to speak out what we have walked through. And there is so much freedom in telling other people what you're going through, what you've walked through. And so I want to encourage you, don't go through this alone. Share your story. And then don't rush the process. God wants to give you everything your heart's desire. I promise. He wants to give you everything your heart's desire. He just wants to do it in his timing, not yours. And the final thing, the final thing is trust God's promises. Trust God's promises. Whether you're single or married, whether you're waiting on God to send your boo or fix your boo, you can trust God with your relationships. He promises this to us in his word, that he wants the best for us. So it's okay to have high expectations. I love that Pastor Salim has talked about having high expectations. We can have high expectations about your future spouse, about healing in your marriage, about enjoying this sweet season of being single. We can hold on to what he says. And I just wanted to read some of his promises to you. And I pray that you begin to declare these over yourselves, over your marriage, over your current relationship, over the season of waiting. I'm going to rapid fire these. And so be ready to write down these verses because I want you guys to go back. And this week, I want you to read these over your life. Jeremiah 31, 27. I am the Lord, the God of all peoples of this world. Is there anything too hard for me? Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Psalms 84, 11, the Lord will withhold no good thing for those who do what is right. Matthew 19, 26, the G- Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Whatever moment you are in right now, Whatever you need in your relationships right now, whatever you're searching for in another person right now, I want you to know that God has it. Declare these verses over your relationships, even when it doesn't make sense, and believe and expect for God to do a powerful work in your relationships, in your marriage, and in your future. Why don't you stand with me this morning? If you just bow your heads and close your eyes, um, I just want to cover this moment. I, I want to cover this relationship series. You know, I don't know what you walked in experiencing this morning. I imagine that maybe somebody walked in this morning and their marriage is feeling hopeless. Maybe you've just gotten out of an abusive relationship, and so you're just trying to figure out what to do next. Maybe you've been single for a while and you're questioning your worth and if God even has somebody for you. And I think about the countless other scenarios that I can't even list this morning that that maybe you are walking through today. 
But I want to pray over relationships here this morning, and I want to pray over this series that it unlocks something new for each and every family here. So can we just cover our marriages and, and families this morning? Father God, we thank you for all that you did this morning. We know that your words do not return void. God, we pray for an outpouring of your power, of your presence over every person here in this place. God, I see, God, just broken hearts, God. God, people that are trying to heal but don't know where to start. God, people that are desperate for something new. God, people that have been walking down the same path so long, they don't know how to go the right way. God, I, I, I speak to those broken marriages, God, those people that just don't know if they can go another day, Jesus. And I just ask right now, God, that you are in the middle of every single person's heart, God, every single person's family, every single person's marriage, God, every single person's season of singleness, God, God, that you are in the middle of it, God, God, that there is a fresh outpouring of your anointing that we will not walk out of this place the same way we walked in, that over the course of the next two or three weeks, God, that you will radically transform people's relationships here. Empower us, embrace us, and equip us with all that you want us to have in this season. In Jesus' name. If you keep your heads down, bowed and your eyes closed, I, I know I talked a lot about engaging in a relationship with Jesus and trusting his process. But I wonder if some of you here this morning haven't taken the step of saying yes to even having a relationship with Jesus. I talked about the fact that Jesus loved us so much that he chose to send his son to this earth to die for us. I want you guys to know that Jesus was beaten. He was bruised. He was humiliated. And he hung on a cross. His sacrifice was done because he no longer wanted us to have to be perfect in order to have a relationship with him. So I wonder if you are here this morning and you are ready to accept his invitation. If you are ready to have a relationship with God today. If that's you this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, why don't you just raise your hand for me this morning? I'd love to see who I'm praying with. Church, why don't we pray this together? Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son to die on a cross for me. God, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I surrender my life to you. I surrender my hopes. I surrender my dreams and I receive your free gift of salvation. In Jesus' name. 